Um, I also figured it was a great time to read The Stand. So I started to read The Stand. <laughs> this is the worst one to read The Stand. <laughs> Welcome to the Productivity Lab, the podcast where we put the tips, tricks, and methods of getting stuff done to the test. I'm your host, Kyle. And I'm Mark. And today we are following up from our previous episode on the book review of Digital Minimalism. We decided to put the methods of the book to the test. But first, what have you been up to, Mark? I have uh, been up to half of productivity, um, getting stuff done. And the other half recovering from being sick. Um, so the last two weeks have kind of been, uh, or actually last three weeks since this is a little delayed recording for us. Um, the first week uh, I was sick, uh, pretty good. And then the second week I was pretty much sick and didn't do anything but sleep. <laughs> Um, and maybe sometimes sign in to work, but then having to <laughs> sign out because I didn't feel good. And then the second week, slowly recovering and kind of getting slowly getting back into the thick of things, because uh, being sick is really a productivity killer. And yeah. then when you are kind of out of it and not being able to not, not being able to get stuff done, it's even harder to get back into mm-hmm. getting things done because you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I work on now? Yeah. Where do I catch up? But, uh, yeah. I was gonna say, but sleeping is the most productive use of your time while you are sick. Absolutely. Because the more you sleep, the quicker you recover. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent true. And so while this episode uh, is coming out in uh, mid to late April, must have to say that me being sick is really <laughs> bad uh, timing because we're in the midst of the COVID-19. Yep. First um, week of <laughs> Austin declaring everything closed except for drive through and takeouts. Yes. Yes. So um, I officially got uh sick or started to feel a scratch in my throat on March 8th. And I thought that was simply from um, sitting and inhaling a uh, ashtray uh, from the day before. Um, but then it just kind of progressed. Now, there's a 50-50 chance that it was just the regular <laughs> common code for me. But then there's also another chance that maybe some at some time two weeks prior, I could have been infected with COVID, but uh, when it got to the point where I, I guess the technically where I had a uh, low grade fever, I guess for about two hours mm-hmm. um, at a hundred point four, I did get worried and I did call. But at the time, they were only allowing or doing tests if you uh, were uh, overseas and if. Uh, uh, you had a higher fever, <laughs> an actual fever, like 104. Um, so they weren't doing tests and we weren't really doing tests in the U.S. overall. But um, Austin, I think, only had a very minimal amount of tests during that time as well. So it's kind of, you know, sit it out at home. So, yeah, um, that's kind of what I've been <laughs> <Well, well, time. laughs> Yeah, that's But what, you did your part. You, we were talking earlier that you haven't left your house in 10 days. Yeah, so it, yeah. You did so, your part. Yeah, a little over, this will be, um, la- I last left my house March 7th, 
and this is oh, March twenty wow. first. <laughs> look at yeah, look at that. Look at doing that. A, I'm I'm a doing your civic duty. I'm doing my safe. civic duty, and I'm <laughs> living it up as an introvert. I got so much energy uh, uh, just being by myself. It's fantastic. Um, outside of being sick and not really actually getting stuff done, I've been trying. I've been reading a lot as well. Huh. Um, and I've been on a Stephen King kick here. <laughs> so I, for some reason, picked up the book, Carrie. I never read the book, okay. Carrie. I watched all the movies. His first book? Yes, his very first book. Uh, I never read the book before, and I so prefer the book over any other mm. uh, movie that's been released because it's not, it's an intermix of police investigation quotes from characters who wrote books of the incident mm. investigator huh. reports okay. and the story itself so it's like house of leaves yeah it's it's very good like you'll go through and and you'll you'll get this dose of uh, carrie or these characters uh, chris and all that and then you'll go to a police investigation report or an interview from one of the other characters uh, after the incident and it was just so much better. I don't think any of the shows or anything can come or the movies come close to what's happening in that book. So I read that. Um, I also figured it was a great time to read The Stand. So I started to read The Stand. <laughs> this is the worst thing to read The Stand. <laughs> For those that don't know, The Stand is about, it's a post-apocalyptic book by Stephen King about a super flu that kills 90% of the population of Earth. Yeah. And it's all the survivors and like how they cope with it. So as I'm hacking away coughing, I'm reading about someone else hacking away coughing. Uh, It's fantastic. And I have that. And I think I'm going to read The Shining after I get through The Stand, which The Stand is a pretty big book. But I also watched the movie Dr. Sleep, which is based, of course, off his book, Dr. Sleep, which Mm -hmm. is a sequel to The Shining. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a... I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a decent movie, but okay, that's enough of me rambling. (laughs) (laughs) We're not doing that much. You've certainly done a lot. It seems like I guess we have a lot to talk about with the situation right now. Yeah, we do. And this is coming out mid-April, so hopefully the situation has gotten better, but if not, it's still good to be informed, and this is kind of like a time capsule for when things are so innocent at this time. Absolutely. (laughs) My journal is full of what's been happening. So uh, outside of me, what have you been up to? Uh, adapting to everything, uh, with everything happening, it's been chaotic in a sense. My office has switched to hundred percent, uh, remote work now. We could still go into the office if we need something. Actually for my first two days of remote work, I had to go into the office to grab some stuff. Uh, but overall I've been pretty much relocated back to my house and, uh, learning how to work from home with two dogs and split uh, <laughs> or, or shared productivity spaces because uh, one thing that's really nice with Amberly and I is that we both are productive during different times of the day. Our peak hours are different. My peak hours in the morning, usually between like nine to like noon, are my peak hours for productivity, and hers are more like around two to five. So we split the office. I have in the mornings and then as soon as lunch happens, we have a quick lunch together and then we swap places. I go out into the living room and work on our dining room table and uh, watch the dogs while she goes into the office until she's done working for the day. So we're getting into this rhythm. 
overall, it's just been a lot of adapting. Charlie and I are working on everyday superhumans right now, as I, as everybody knows. And we're trying to do more rapid. We're actually going to be doing our first remote inter- interview ever tomorrow. Hmm. We like to go to the places of our guests and like have it more like a sit down conversation. If you're in person with somebody, it gets a lot more relaxed typically mm-hmm. and a lot more casual, which is what we like. So tomorrow we're going to be doing our very first in-person or remote interview and we don't know how it's going to go, but likely the website Zencaster is doing unlimited recording hours for their free plan right now to encourage podcasters to stay inside. So we'll be using Zencaster and recording through that. And I've heard a lot of good things about Zencaster. So this is a, it's going to be an experiment with everything remote podcasting, which we've already done together. Yeah. But remote uh, interviewing, remote work, and a bunch of remote stuff right now. I've also been running a lot lately because during times of high stress, I run a lot more. So <laughs> I, I've been running more than usual, I'd say. But uh, in uh, terms of running, though, I did a major accomplishment. I ran 20 miles nonstop last Sunday or last Saturday. Wow. Because uh, I originally was training for this relay race that was supposed to happen at the end of March. But that's been postponed. Yeah. So, but I was like, the, I was like you know what? I'm going to still do the training anyways and like have this be my finale. So I did a 20-mile run instead. And then I couldn't use my legs for a bit, which is great. Went to donate blood with some friends. So that's nice because like blood banks need blood right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're young and healthy, uh, go donate blood if you can, if you're not feeling sick, it's a good, good work you do. But yeah, on everyday superhumans, we are going to do a series of more rapid fire episodes now. Okay. With nonprofits and people about how you could help out during COVID nineteen, nice, and how they're helping out during COVID nineteen. We're going to be focusing mostly on that, so they won't be our usual episodes. They'll be more focused, and in a sense, uh, they'll be more timely, but also, uh, um, yeah, and they'll be more timely and like current events which we've never done before. So tomorrow, which by the time you're hearing this episode, we have released this episode uh, with our interview with Generation Serve by now, maybe a few more. Mm-hmm. We have a few more uh, in the talks, including a We Are Blood follow-up to see how we could help out during this time. So yeah, it's trying to figure out how to reformat everything in our life, including the format of the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. so awesome. I, I personally, uh, I'm excited that the podcast is back. Um, I like hearing about the uh, local uh, nonprofits here. And I was just perusing through because uh, my company is big on doing volunteer work as well. Mm. Um, So uh, we were highlighting some of uh, remote volunteering that we can Mm. do, um, such as uh, uh, writing and reading help for people. So those are like virtual sessions or um, kind of like, pen pal where they email you back and forth. And I can't remember the, the organization that does this, but there's just been so many different remote opportunities in which you can volunteer as well, especially mm-hmm. uh, with what's happening now. So that's, that's that, kind of awesome to hear. That's actually what our interview with generation Serve is going to be about. We, we'll talk about generation Serve and like what they do, mm-hmm. but we'll also be talking about 
the article that they just wrote, which is ways to volunteer from home and yeah. charities that you could donate to here in the Austin area. Yeah. So that's how we, that's our main topic for tomorrow. But yeah, it's, it's a crazy time with everything. Uh, Amberly has been working on a project of her own, actually with a few other people called, uh, let me get the website open. AustinServiceRelief.com. Okay. It's a resource page for pretty much uh, how to help out like things like struggling businesses during this time to nonprofits to support. It's pretty much like how it's a way to like, or it's an aggregate of all the places you go to and uh, their website that is, you can't go to them in person and how you can help out at the same time. It's uh, it's really good. There's a bunch of funds like uh, the Alamo Draft House. I don't know if it actually is on here. Let me see. Uh, there's a there's a list of local support funds like the Alamo Draft House Family Fund, which actually I just contributed to. They had to furlough a bunch of their employees at Alamo Draft House. We actually know somebody who was let go because of it. So I donated my money towards that, and it's pretty much a way to keep them afloat during this chaotic time. Uh, there's a bunch of artist funds in there too, like the Red River Cultural District Banding Together Fund. There, there. This is the time to reach out to your community, which is what you listen to on my other podcast, Everyday Superhumans. Yes. About how you can help out during this time. Of course, if you're not in Austin, it probably won't apply to you. There are other service relief websites as well on the same network. There's SeattleServiceRelief.com and DenverServiceRelief.com are the other two, and it seems like that more and more keep on popping up all part of this project. Awesome. So Amberly has been really productive and has been doing a great job of putting that up. So highly recommend checking it out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we've been talking a lot about this. This <laughs> is a, it's a really big topic. Like, it is. We it might is. edit down a bit, but this is an important thing to really use a platform to talk about because this is a very pivotal moment in global society in a sense. Like we never dealt with a pandemic this large before and this dangerous. Right. So you gotta be mindful of everything and be supportive of your neighbors. Absolutely. There's, and there's just so much like, yeah, my company is also, we're hundred percent remote now. I love it, but it's been challenging for other people that, you know, I see and many people have uh, changed the way that they've had to do things. Um, Like you just mentioned with your, with the podcast, Everyday Superhumans of doing your first remote interview. Right. And Mm -hmm. there's been lots of people doing remote events now, uh, virtually Mm -hmm. one of our, our conference that we, um, that I was actually going to technically, uh, starting, uh, next week, uh, the 30th, I would have been flying to Vegas, but we've canceled (laughs) our conference and we're doing it virtually now. Um, a lot of places have been canceling their conferences and doing them all virtually, Mm A lot of people have been setting up virtual workshops and all that stuff. And even at my job, we have more virtual sessions and workshops to keep people connected and and chatting and everything um, at work. So challenging times calls for uh, um, creative solutions. Yeah. And I think in this episode, this is a perfect time to talk about digital minimalism because the news can be crazy right now. Yes. It can be overwhelming and it can be stressful. So knowing how to use it mindly is what matters. So Mm -hmm. let's get to digital minimalism. Mark, how has your two or three weeks of trying out the methods that Cal Newport laid out to us and the many readers of the book, how have they, how has it been? It's been 
Um, so the first week before I got dog sick, um, well, I, I first kept, off, let's talk about like what were your rules and your uh, methods. Oh yes. Um, let's see here. Okay. The few things that I wanted to minimize again, some of the standouts where I know that I consume, um, the most time. And I back this up because I have tracking via iOS, right? Um, screen mm, time. Yeah, screen it lets time. you track your screen time. So I can actually see every week a weekly report of where I spend most of my time. Now, uh, some of the apps and things I already had limitations on, uh, such as Instagram. And so I already had rules set up for Instagram. So some of the, the top three things that I, I noted for clutter for my social media, because um, all the others, I don't really use it. Like, yes, I hop on Reddit, but it's more of it's not browsing to waste time. It's more of I'm soaking in particular information and then mm-hmm. I leave. Um, and so I'm not wasting or I don't view the time as a lot of uh, wasting. Um, I'm very intentional with where I'm going to get information or where, where I'm spending that. The ones I weren't intentional on was YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. So those were the three that I decided to um, minimize my clutter. And so for YouTube, um, I marked, I noted two things. Uh, to ask myself, what is the intention of me watching this video? Does mm-hmm. it help with my projects? Mm-hmm. And so I asked that question and if it's just the fun, whatever, then I can't watch it. If it's something uh, educational, a piece of advice or something like that, then I'm allowed to watch it um, because it's more of a learning opportunity and I can mm-hmm. take notes and things of that nature. The second piece was um, I can watch it if it's in the background, meaning mm-hmm. that um, if I'm working from home, sometimes I can just throw... Um, I like to listen to lo-fi music and I prefer video play with it. So that's okay because it's not distracting me. Um, the music's actually helping me. Um, if it's something like some news programs, then I don't turn on the video. If I'm working from my kitchen table, uh, I have my little tablet. I just keep the screen off and I can listen to it as if it's a podcast. So I can only watch if it's um, intentional information, training, and instructional that I'm learning from to apply, or if it can be uh, put on in the background um, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't need my visual attention. So it's kind of background noise at that moment. So that was for YouTube. For Instagram, I had an hour and 15 time limit. I reduced that to 45 minutes. Um, And then I can only access it in the morning uh, when on the gym, bike, or bus to work. So no Instagram in the morning. Um, and I can only access it in the afternoon for any other things. So unless I'm on the gym, bike, or bus to work, but that had to change because of working from home. I'm not in a gym, um, uh, touching all the machines and all that stuff. Um, and I'm not on the bus. So mm-hmm. um, I had to come up with... Uh, different ways to do that. So it's only after I did my morning walk, if I was well enough to do a, a go out and do a morning walk, then I could spend like uh, 15 to 20 minutes on Instagram. And I wasn't posting anything to the other accounts I ran. So it was only like 15 to 20 minute reward 
of social media to try to reduce or whatever. And also instituted a do not click like. Oh, you did. I didn't do that. Yeah. That was, (laughs) that was difficult. That's be hard. (laughs) Um, and lastly, Twitter, um, I uninstalled Twitter from my phone. Mm. Um, and I had already switched um, on my desktop from using Twitter, the website even to just using TweetDeck because then oh. it, it avoided me seeing any of the trending stuff. Why? Okay, I need to start using TweetDeck for that reason. I hate I hate trends because they always suck me into the website. Yes, okay. um, I moved to TweetDeck and I switched to and I and you can set up custom filters and everything. Um, so I have my feed, I have my messages feed, and then I have notifications for my personal. I got two people I follow and then I have my other Instagram accounts where I can see those feeds. It really helped me focus on what I wanted to see, what information from uh, there's two people I um, in particular I want to see tweet information from. I don't see any of the trending stuff or anything like that. So it's pretty much I go out and I drop something um, or I'm communicating with someone else through DMs and stuff like that. The the thing with trending time or the trending section during times like these is it seems like that every day the world is ending. So Absolutely. <laughs> it's really bad for people with anxiety. And I would just get sucked in because um, I follow a lot of news and political stuff because mm-hmm. I, I just love politics and economics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get sucked in. So it was I was like, you know. Let me turn off. Let me. It's been great uninstalling Twitter because you don't. I don't get those notifications, and I mm-hmm. reduce those notifications, and just not having the trending and stuff was great. And then overall for my phone, I just re- turned off notifications for anything that I could. That's I think the number one step for digital minimalism is actually it's like the beginner's way of doing. It. Like if you want to get into this and you're not sure what you, could, what you should do, really just turn off all the notifications you can. The rule I use is to turn off all the notifications that are either not reminders mm-hmm. or not sent to me by by another human. Yeah. So I will enable messaging notifications on my Twitter app if it's on my phone, but I'll disable everything else. I will enable my to-do list reminders, and but I will never have like breaking news notifications right. ever on my phone. That's an instant no. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. D- turning off notifications uh, for a lot of this stuff it was fantastic because it's not constantly badgering you to try to get you back onto the platform mm-hmm. uh, which is what they're trying to do mm-hmm. um, so it's been very helpful um, it's in Twitter big time because I, yeah. I do like it I do like using it and consuming or seeing what's what uh, people are following sharing what mm-hmm. piece of information and stuff like that um, but it keeps you from digging into the fray, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really helpful. So from the first logs of the first few days, <laughs> the most difficult thing is uh, <laughs> uh, for, for the initial day of the challenge, I had removed removed it, uh, Twitter from my phone, uh, reduced the time for Instagram. And then I discovered this feature called downtime on the iPhone. Okay. So what this does is different from the do not disturb. What this does um, is, and it's kind of like the time limitations for social media that you put on an app. This limits the, this set makes apps inaccessible uh, from a certain time range 
that you set for them. And you can whitelist certain apps that you want to make available all the time. Mm. So initially I had set downtime on my phone from 9 p.m. until 7 Mm a.m. So then that would discourage me from actually accessing um, like the web browser on my phone to search Mm -hmm. something um, or any other app, social media app that I may have on there that I shouldn't be using, right? So um, it, it'll bring a pop-up and say, hey, you reach your time limit for it. Then you could ignore it for one minute, ignore it for 15 minutes, or ignore it for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, to get to that, you when you first open the app, and it kind of like puts a little clock on the app and dims it, when you open it up, you either hit OK or say, I want to ignore the limit. And then you have oh. to click a little link. Okay. That launches another screen where you then choose your options. So it's a, kind of like a little, you launch the app and then you get this little spl- splash screen and you have to click in more to ignore it. Mm. Um, so sometimes. So add some friction to yeah, make you think about. Yeah, there's a little bit of friction added to it. And this was great. And I really liked it for the first, the first day. Uh, then I got to the second day. I really, I noted that I really missed tweeting. <laughs> there were so many times I wanted to tweet something and I didn't have Twitter on my phone. And I was like, ah, oh, fantastic. I don't have Twitter installed. I'm not logged into my browser at work either. So then it like really friction. I was like, crap, I can't tweet the thing I wanted to tweet. But then it was like, was I even going to tweet anything? <laughs> I think you worthwhile? texted me about that. I did. <laughs> I really I have a solution to, to work t- around it that I'll mention whenever I talk about my methods. Okay. <laughs> um, and then the next thing was I noted a massive problem of not liking pictures on Instagram. <laughs> that became a crisis for me. I don't a know crisis? why. Yeah, it the was crisis like of not liking photos on Instagram. <laughs> yes. Um, like I really wanted to like like the pictures and I was like, why can't I like the picture? And I was like, please. OK, I just want to like this picture. And then I was like, well, why do I want to like the picture? What is it about <laughs> liking a picture? It's not like I go back to look at them, yeah. um, you know, the, to see the pictures that you've the post that you've liked is buried within your settings page. Like you have to go to your profile settings, some other menu, oh, really? and then see posts you've liked. And then you can see all the pictures you liked. But then it's like, well, why did I like that to begin with? Mm-hmm. Um, or why do I want to like it? So that was like super difficult all week and trying not to like pictures. And then it kind of became a thing of if I can't like pictures, why am I on Instagram anyway? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I get that. Like when I first did this digital minimalism a year ago, there was times like I'm like, I want to go to Facebook, but there's nothing there for me. So I was like, I want to go. <laughs> like, I get that. I get that mindset. It's like, well, something I could do there. So why am I even going? Exactly. Exactly. So um, so then it became, it, it's morphed into this thing of not liking it to, okay, now it's kind of an inspiration thing. So mm-hmm. now I'm back to the inspiration of, uh, seeing other artists, artists I follow, and then getting ideas and like, okay, I like that. Maybe I can try to watch their instructional video to reproduce mm-hmm. some art they created or something like that. Um, I still like a pic here and there, but um, not as much as I used to. Just scroll through my feet, liking everything. 
And so then another big thing that happened is I really started to like downtime. I changed the time from being from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Then I discovered downtime is also available on the Mac and it works across all your devices. The Apple ecosystem that everybody praises. Yeah. So it worked across my setting on my phone, set it on my iPad. Uh, But to get it on my Mac, I had to actually upgrade to Catalina. Mm-hmm. And I had not upgraded my OS yet, so uh-huh. I upgraded my computer. Um, and I got went to Catalina, and um, downtime was immediately synced to that machine. And so then I had to go through, like on my Mac, what apps do I want to uh, make allowable, such mm-hmm. as my writing apps, for example. I want those to be accessible for downtime. Um, I think writing... For me, I classify writing as being good enough where I'm actually being intentional with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I shouldn't be up at 10 p.m. anyway. Anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. But if I started writing early in the morning, that's an app that's available to me. Um, and also I make Kindle available and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah that's how it So is, that's yeah. pretty much like what I did. The rules kind of rules I set in place for the big problem areas where I knew I spent most of my time, and that was backed by me looking at my screen time reports, um, mm-hmm. which is actually synced. That was already synced across all your devices. So I can see the screen time for my Mac. I can see the screen time for my iPad and for my phone and where I was spending all my time. And so those were the ones I j- adjusted, uh, reducing the time, using downtime to discourage use at night and Mm -hmm. early in the morning, um, setting up rules for certain apps that I even still use for uh, side project purposes um, and eliminating those times and then um, just kind of struggling to really be intentional with uh, how I was using those things. So it really helped, especially in the sense that I disabled notifications and I wasn't on Twitter to see the trending stuff. And mm-hmm. I was specifically looking um, um, at videos or mostly videos on YouTube that were instructional if they weren't mm. music based. So it really helped with this whole COVID panic thing. I know. Um, of not really, being, we chose the best time to do this. Yes, we did. Um, of not being hit with news twenty four seven. So that's kind of uh, my long winded uh, experience yeah. and things that I set up for me. What about you? All right. Well, like you, I, my rules had layers upon layers and backups and stuff like that. <laughs> this, yeah. So my initial rules I said in the last episode, which was I had three splits for my rules. I had phone, PC, and personal. I had on mm-hmm. my phone was to... Rem- okay, so first of all, just in time for this experiment, Samsung released digital well-being on their Samsung phones, specifically the Galaxy S9, which is what I have. So I was able to set app timers. So I set app timers up for 10 minutes of usage for all social media apps, mm-hmm. which actually just turned into deleting Twitter and Reddit. And only giving myself 10 minutes a day on Instagram. So I had that on my phone. I did click like on things. I definitely broke that rule, but I never was really too hard about that one in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I also 
like as everybody knows in this podcast by now, I use Tasker as I've always had to use it, which like blocks apps and puts my phone in do not disturb mode during certain times that I distinguish on Google Calendar. Had those up and going. Google also has something like downtime on it, but doesn't block apps at nighttime, at least not on the Samsung devices, called uh, Wind Down, which puts your phone in, in black and white mode and puts on and enables do not disturb mode at any time that you specify during the nighttime. So I set wind down at 9.15 every night and I had it from, I think from 9.15 to 6.45. So that way I usually wake up at 6.30 and I did that on purpose. So that way if I wake up, my phone's still in black and white mode. So it's less appealing to look at. So that was nice. I also went pretty far with this. I, I use parental controls on the app store or on the play store <laughs> and blocked every app that's considered M or higher, which wow. Reddit and Twitter both are. So I blocked those and I could only access them through the PC to download to my phone. And in order to download apps to my phone via the PC, I need to put my password again. So I need oh. to think about putting it in. So like I, I also changed my Google password pretty recently. So it's like this new thing I'm trying to think about. So it's like even slowing me down even further. So it just kind of, it created this cascading notion of just like, uh, I don't think I want to do this. I yeah. did allow myself to go onto Twitter on my personal PC at home, mm-hmm. which was not really the best during this time. As everybody knows, I, I also did though, I did a block a bunch of distracting websites using the add-on leech block on all my computers. And I even had it set so that way it blocks by keywords. So every time that the word COVID-19 or coronavirus appears on a web page, I can't access that web page, which actually got pretty <laughs> annoying because if you Google weather on Google now, apparently COVID-19 pops up. So I can't check the weather on my computer which is fine. I have the weather app for that reason. So wow. personally, I got rid of my phone during social gatherings as much as possible. I keep it in the car. I play D and D every Sunday. So I keep it at, uh, in my car while we're, we're playing D and D. Uh, whenever I get home, I put my phone on the other side of the room. So I'm less tempted to check it. And my Fitbit receives phone calls anyways. So if somebody's calling me, I should be able to fill it through my Fitbits. Mm. And, I also perma-blocked every news website through using the use of freedom on my phone to uh, prevent myself from checking the news impulsively. But I also downloaded three news apps that have timers on them. So I had to be deliberate for whenever I check the news. I got uh, Amberly and I just subscribed to Washington Post and The Economist. So I got mm-hmm. both of those apps on my phone put 10 minutes for Washington Post, 15 minutes for The Economist since they're known for longer articles. And I also got the KUT, the local NPR station. I got their app on my phone and put 10 minutes on that one too. So I I really tried to make sure I was informed, but not uh, going crazy with the news right now. Yeah, yeah. And for tweeting, I would use Buffer, which is a social media content posting app for mostly brands and organizations that you could mm-hmm. post via buffer to like prime tweets to happen throughout the day. It's great for promoting new things. Like Charlie and I used to use it on everyday supplements all the time, but I decided to use it for my personal self 
and connect to my personal account to Buffer. And then you could just do share now. So it tweets, hit share now, and then just upload it. And I have to think about it. So I'm like, oh, I have this idea. I want to post it out there, but I don't want to have the app on my phone. And I don't want to give in to like looking at like how it's going. So I would then just t- just tweet it out and then check how like see like what's up on Twitter and I get back home that day. So I could see like if anybody responded to it or whatnot. So I've been using Buffer a lot lately because I found out that um, during times like these, I like to uh, try to think of humorous posts. So I've been trying to do a lot more jokes about things lately. So <laughs> uh, there's this, uh, there's actually this one thing I put on Buffer to Twitter, which was the uh, the meme of from Arrested Development whenever Michael Bluth opens up the fridge and there's a bag that says dead dove do not eat and he opens up the bag and he's he looks up and he's like I don't know what I expected <laughs> so I, I was like I want to do that but with a different context so I I uh, I sent out a tweet through Buffer saying me whenever I check the news and instead of dead dove do not eat on the bag it says anxiety do not read <laughs> so it's it's like anxiety do not read he opens up Looks up and he's like, I don't know what I expected. That's how it felt. So <laughs> I really had to really slam the brakes on my media usage during this time, mm-hmm. which has been great. I think there were days where I kind of fell off the wagon though. And I would like fall into like 30 minutes of just looking at the news or more, yeah, which was not fun. So I, every time that happened, I add more and more restrictions to my blockers. <laughs> and that's why I started blocking my keyword on leech block. So I, I don't even need to Google it. And I also disabled my web browser during work hours, so I can't use my I can't use my phone's web browser while I'm at work, so I don't Google COVID nineteen on it. So I really put in a lot of precautions. It was it was quite the experiment. But uh, overall, I think I did pretty well. Like I said, there were some days where I fell off the wagon, uh, mostly on days where my anxiety kind of went through the roof, and. Uh, like I said, though, every time that that happened, though, I would take a step back and say, okay, why did this fail? I'd look at it and then I'd add up a new rule, add a new blocker. I actually just started double blocking stuff with two different blockers so that way I needed to wow. disable both just wow. to keep it away from me. So I I really went all out with this one. And I have to say, I, I like it a lot. I'm not ready for consensus yet, but... Um, my rules were, I think some people will think that are pretty extreme, but I think that they're needed, especially during times of high anxiety. Oh yeah. It really shows that you know yourself, you know your vices. Mm-hmm. And when you're finding yourself slipping or, or, or accessing something that you shouldn't have another way, then you quickly create a blocker uh, to keep you from going down that path. I don't think that's anything wrong at all. I'm sure I've probably would have gotten down that path as well because the first week was a bit challenging to try to curb that behavior, but it was easily curbed for me by being sick the second week. So it, w- it really helped that second week in which I mostly slept and I didn't have to like <laughs> to read, be a digital minimalist. Yeah. <laughs> Just sleep. All I didn't the time. have to do uh, much with social media and I wasn't on the phone or anything like that. And uh, for times I couldn't sleep, I read instead. Hmm. But 
getting back into it, I can feel those limiters being hit again as to what I should keep and what I should not keep or or tweak for it. So I don't, I don't think you went overboard at all. I think I that's think you knowing yourself. Yeah, uh, it definitely is. It's like any kind of bad habit you're trying to quit, you're constantly trying to outsmart yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was like for me. It was like, I thought I was fine with like, like when I first did this challenge a year ago, I stopped voluntarily going to news sites and it made it better. But this time during a rapidly developing situation that could affect or that could, that will affect me personally, mm-hmm. I wanted to keep in the know. But at the same time, you also need to take like a stoic look at the world and say, okay, what can I control right now? And if you can't control like the spread of a virus, you could at least read the practices and then put it away. So wash your hands. You could control that. You could wash your, you could, uh, control not going out to eat. You can control things like, uh, working from home. If your employer allows it like those things you should be focusing on and not reading about what's happening in Italy like that as, as exciting as it is, it's also completely out of your control and it doesn't affect you directly. I mean, yeah. So it's best to know your limits and know what you can control. And that makes this way easier. Like I've been staying inside a lot more for that reason. Also, yeah. there's not much to do here in Austin anyway, since all the restaurants are closed, <laughs> all the bars and restaurants are closed. So you're pretty much forced to stay inside. Yeah. So as, as difficult and, and whatnot it is for us, as you guys can tell, like we've kind of already built up some processes and things mm-hmm. like of that nature um, and simply in trying to be more focused and productive on the tasks that we have. So it's been, a, I guess, a slow creek digital minimalism, if you would. Yeah. As opposed to a, a cold heart. Uh, yeah. Stop. So yeah. Um, it, a little bit easier to take on. If this was um, a year ago, it'd be a lot different for me because it's when I first started doing this and it, it was like a life changing experience for me. I wish mm-hmm. I could have like run down how I felt during that because it went from being, I know like my entire relationship with technologies changed. Of course I did fall off the wagon several times. Like I did reinstall Reddit and Twitter before we started this challenge. So it was nice <laughs> to get those off my phone again. Mm-hmm. And there are times like where I'm like, yeah, I really enjoy Twitter. I should install it on my phone. But then I'm like, no, I don't really get that much value from it. Like if I use it professionally, that'd be different. Like uh, Ambly, for example, she uses Twitter in a more professional setting. She has a lot of professional connections through there. She's made a lot of friends in her field through it. Like it's very beneficial for her and her career. And she's also got a following for her podcast through being very active on Twitter she has a weekly newsletter she posts about. So for her, she uses it more like a professional. Yeah. Meanwhile, I use it as just like some mindless consumer looking on <laughs> the trend to see how the world's ending today. Because sometimes it's global politics that's causing the end of the world. And sometimes it's a disease. It's like something, something new is ending the world every day on Twitter. <laughs> Saying, I'm here for the drama. I actually tweeted this out to me removing uh, Twitter from my phone through Buffer that I like Instagram more because every time I check Instagram, it doesn't feel like the world is ending. Right. Or if yeah. it is for me and my feed, it's ending beautifully 
while on the bicycle ride. You get really nice calligraphy about why the world is ending. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts, Mark? Um, final thoughts. Let's see. I did enjoy this challenge. Um, and actually, I'm going to uh, keep up or try to keep up with the rules that I put in place. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, I really don't want to install Twitter on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good thing. And I like that I had switched to TweetDeck in which I can customize my filters. Um, I, I much prefer that. And it's on my desktop. So I'm mostly tweeting when I'm actually at my desktop on a break from whatever I'm working on. Then I may open uh, TweetDeck um, and just scroll through my feed, see what's there, um, and if I have any messages and respond. So I'm not getting any email notifications that I have anything pending for me. I don't have the app on my phone, so I only see it when I'm sitting down at my desk to work. So if you DM me, um, then it may be... uh, few days before I get back to you if I actually open up the application. So I I really liked it. Again, we talked about it in a review of trying to be intentional with your time. And I think with being intentional, with the focus of trying to be intentional with your time, you really get to see like where, where you're putting that, where things slip up and creating that friction can allow you to do something a little bit better. That's mm-hmm. um, we talk about friction and intentionality a lot in this show, but that's yeah. really what it's all about for most of these things. Yeah, is that intentionality is the number one thing. Like today, I sat down with the intention to play the new Animal Crossing game, and that was pretty successful, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the week, I was intentionally working from home. Like it's all about the intentionality behind it. But like if you're at work and you're working from home and you want to play the new Animal Crossing game, hide your switch somewhere so you add that friction. Right. Absolutely. Um, and it like you have to know yourself um, so that you can break those habits. And, yeah. Again, create that friction to break that habit and erase the friction for the good habits that you want to create. And so I really enjoyed this challenge. And uh, I think I'm going to just continue with what I can and just eke a little bit more out of it to uh, tune it uh, for me a little bit better than what it's doing now. And uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. So I like how I discovered new features on, uh, and now that I'm in the Apple ecosystem of using the downtime features and how it syncs across my devices, which is really great. I really enjoyed it. Um, And if I was to give it a score... Um, this will be a four out of five for me. What about you? I really like this challenge. I'm a huge advocate for digital minimalism in general, and I think that more people should practice it in their own way. There's that's the thing with this whole, it's like a lifestyle, I guess. That's the thing with this whole lifestyle is that there's many ways to do it and you, you could do it the way that you find that best suits you. Like everything from using it like a professional mm-hmm. to using it more uh, stringently. Like just what matters is the intentionality behind it. And depending on who you are, different things might work for different people. Like I had to block everything about breaking news in my challenge because I couldn't do it any other way. If it wasn't for that, I would have broken this every single day. There's dozens, if not hundreds of methods you could use to uh, minimize your digital 
diet and uh, really uh, make it work for you. So I personally love this one. I've been an advocate for it since I first read the book. And I've been curious about digital minimalism since way before that book came out. I started listening to a bunch of talks from like Tristan Harris, who is a ex-product engineer at Google who started advocating for more mindful usage of technology and companies to be more, more mindful of their users. He jokes saying that there's only two kinds of people that use the word users for their, for their consumers, which are tech companies and drug dealers. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So I highly recommend this. I'm going to give it a five out of five. All right. Yeah. I think that everybody should read this book. If they can't read this book, read a few blog posts on it and see how you can make tech work best for you. So without further ado, I guess it's a pretty good challenge for both of us. We both seem to like it a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the circumstance was really the challenge behind it all. Like we have, we've been doing digital minimalism for a while, but we haven't been doing it during the time of a major global health crisis. No. Um, and I think during this global major health crisis, everyone can use a little bit of digital minimalism. I, I agree. It's good to be informed, but don't be too informed. That should be the name of the subtitle of something. <laughs> be informed, but don't be too informed. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's good. Keep yourself in the know. Choose the right uh, news resources that you, that you trust and have them be a like, night bookmark them to your phone, but don't check them too often. Like I start checking my news only in the morning to see what the situation is looking like. And at the end of the day to see how the situation went. Mm-hmm. That's what I started doing. So be informed, just don't be over-informed and start practicing digital minimalism. This is the best time to do it. So speaking about global health crises and how they're changing our lifestyle, we're going to talk about our next challenge, which Mark and I have been talking about doing for a while, but our workplaces won't allow it until this just so happened to happen. <laughs> so we're going to put it to the test. We're going to be doing remote work as our next challenge, which we were kind of forced into. It's not even a challenge. It's more of like a requirement by our employers yes. and the rest of the world to do it. A mass global work from home. Yeah. So you guys could join along with us this time without even knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> play along at home literally yes and let us know um what your experience has been yeah so we'll be back in two weeks with our review from working from home and hopefully by the time the episode comes out a lot of this crisis will have come to pass and we could all laugh at the time that we worked from home for three weeks straight but till then you never know you never know. It might be even worse than everybody might be working from home everywhere at that point, but we'll see. Either way, you can play along with us. <laughs> yes, on the next episode. So until then, stay productive. And also follow us on Twitter at, Pro- oh, at Productive yeah. Lab. Follow <laughs> us on Instagram at Productive Lab. You can follow me, Kyle's. Uh, Kyle Smith at KyleSQ9 on Twitter, which I will be tweeting from Buffer, but checking your tweets only uh, and during the evening times on my web browser. You could also follow me on Instagram, which I did not delete from my phone, and I will like your photos because I don't have that rule uh, where you'd see pictures of mostly my two dogs. 
that is at Kyle SQ nine. And you could read some of my writings at quadrant nine.net. And finally check out my other show, everyday superhumans at everyday superhumans.show where hopefully, uh, or not hopefully where we will be covering nonprofits here in Austin, how you could help out. And also during this crisis, we'll be talking to nonprofits about how they are helping out with the community and how people could help out, uh, during this time. So stay tuned for those episodes. Actually, by now you probably listened to a few of those episodes. So uh, stay tuned for more episodes of Ready Superhumans. Uh, doesn't matter the context. There'll be more episodes no matter what. And so on. How can people follow you, Mark? Now that you're still listening and I'm not ending the episode early, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at AskMarkIO. That's AskMarkIO. And you can find my horrible illustrations and writing at my website, askmark.io. All right. And I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but you'd also uh, check out all of our previous episodes at theproductivitylab.show or tpl.show. And until next time, do you want to do it again, Mark? (laughs) Stay productive. I'm like, oh, that was a smooth, let's, let's, let's exit. It was really smooth, but we had all the closing cards. And then you're like, you can find us at. (laughs) 